0: there and there's some things going on in my head and he gets up here and reads my mind now that is either something's really weird and I need to go home or that's the spirit of God and uh, I believe it's the spirit of God I, I was actually considering telling you because uh, this is our last night just uh, you know obviously I was going to tell you what a blessing you know it's been to be here uh, what a great church you got and uh, it's just really been, it's been something else, man. I'll tell you, th- I'll say it this way. If I lived in Dayton, Ohio, I would not start a church. I would join this one. And I'd sit under your pastor. And uh, and I mean that. I mean, I don't know how to give a, a stronger uh, recommendation than that. And I just uh, sitting and listening to him at lunch and, and just getting a chance to talk to him a little bit more now than really we have yet. Um, we've obviously talked some, but more this time than ever before, and I have tremendous respect for your pastor, and uh, for his uh, heart for God, his walk with God, his wife is just a sweetheart, they're just such a blessing, I can say that because she's old enough to be my mom, he's old enough to be my dad, okay, so uh, they're just a real blessing, they're a great testimony, and uh, it's just, I, I, I I'm a little nervous about using this term, because usually when you use this term, it means you're kind of on the same level in your peers, and I don't see it that way. But he is, I, I count him a friend, um, and, and that's a blessing. But I don't count him, I don't say I'm, you know, he's old to be my dad. You know what I mean? So I'm using the term friend in a respectful way, but I do count him a friend. And what I was thinking about saying that just came out of his mouth is, uh, I have told my church this and I kind of view Anchor Baptist this way as a sister church and uh, I don't know that I've ever referred to another church that way um, but I, I do see folks as a sister church and it was just pretty neat to hear that come right out of his mouth. It's a good thing that I don't preach for the money because that's not going to impact the way I preach at you tonight one way or the other. Uh, he's handed me the keys to the van and he and he, and he, he I told you, he already, you know, gave me the love off and said, you're free, do whatever you want. I said, come on, Grace girls, let's go home. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but no, it's just been a real blessing. And I just appreciate you very much and appreciate your response to the preaching and uh, your heart for it, your heart for the word of God, you making me feel right at home, being so sweet to my family and all that stuff. And just the friends that are here. Uh, it's been a great blessing. The camp uh, for years, I uh, kind of stayed away from a lot of, the youth stuff, because I'd just seen so much throughout my life, and I'm not trying to be a critic, but I've seen so much throughout my life. And, you know, there's some stuff going on that's, you know, neither here nor there, you know, but it just wasn't me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just didn't feel comfortable or led to, to, to team up with, you know, certain ways of doing things, you know. We got a lot of big churches up in our area, and there's plenty of the fundamentalist stuff going on, but none of it really ever was what I was looking for. And when God, I had been praying about it and God directed us to this camp, uh, obviously, you know, through uh, through Brother Peacock, which is where, where we met down there at the Jubilee and all that. And just been, just been amazing, man, just a real blessing. And so it's just home. It fits. Uh, it's smooth. Uh, the Lord's in it. Um, and I think a good friendship has to be that way. You can't force somebody to be your friend. You know what I mean? It don't work. It's either there or it ain't, you know, and it's there with, with you guys and with your pastor. And I do thank uh, Brother Joe and Miss Paige for putting us up in spite of teasing them about staying in purgatory. <laughs> That's just because Joe likes to torture me, you know. We're, we're at better health today, and, and uh, he looks at me, and um, he's like, you need anything off the top shelf? tried to ignore him and I was standing just up the aisle a little bit and there was a lady right here and she was looking at something and I was looking at some of the stuff and he said hey what you're looking for is down here she looks up at me like it's over here and I'm like ma'am please just ignore him he's an idiot okay and I'm gonna kill him in a second but um anyhow he's just been a real blessing you guys were went over the top and taking care of us and feeding us and all that stuff and just have had a great time and I really really appreciate them and their friendship uh, a whole lot. So thank you. Uh, I, told, uh, I told Joe, don't worry, we're leaving tomorrow. Uh, companies like Dead Fish it stinks after a couple days, you know what I mean? So it's been a blessing to be here. But Joe said, I'm glad you told me that. I know how long to stay when I come up to your house. <laughs> not as nice as Joe is. <laughs> Let's grab our Bibles, go to Isaiah chapter number 58, please. I'm going to do my best to uh, uh, be aware of the time. You've been very patient and I'm sorry I preached too long in my personal opinion. But I want to give you tonight what it is the Lord has laid on my heart, and i thankful I believe He's led here, and we'll see what He'll do with the message, but I hope it'll be a help to you. Isaiah chapter number 58, he says in verse number 1, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression, and the house of Jacob their sins. You would please skip down with me to verse number 12. He says this, And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations. and Thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the paths to dwell in. What I want to preach to you on tonight is repairing the breach. I'm going to pick on the pastor. ask you please uh, to pray for us and ask the Lord to bless the preaching. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Taking that thought from verse number 12, it says, A repair of the breach, the restorer of the paths to dwell in. I got looking at that and thinking about it, and it shows you obviously that in a perimeter somewhere, there was a breach that had been made. You think about this topic, you think of the, the book of Job, where Job, the Lord talks to Lucifer, and there's that go, go back and forth between them, and he says, Have you seen my servant Job? And, and the devil's complaint is you put a hedge about him. And I can't get through that hedge. And if you'll lower that hedge, I'll show you something about Job. You remember that? Yeah. I think about that all the time, and I, th- I think about it often because I know we have an adversary, the devil, who walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I pray on a daily basis. I pray for my wife, and I pray for every one of my daughters. And I try every day to pray for every member of my church by name. I pray for my local church. You know what I pray for? One of the things that I pray for? I pray for God to put a hedge of protection round about my family. I pray for God to put a hedge of protection round about my church. I pray for God to put a hedge of protection round about me because I realize I have a very real adversary and he walks about as a roaring lion and he's seeking whom he may devour. devour. What he is is he's walking around the outside of that vineyard and there's a hedge that God places around about that vineyard remember looking at that on Sunday morning you look at some of those hedges and you study them they're not just a brush hedge Oftentimes they would build a little wall out of rock or they would actually like like concrete stacked rock, like block, so to speak, and build an actual wall that could be considered a hedge. Sometimes they would build like a berm and they would plant on top of that berm thorn bushes and things that are hard to get through, make it real dense. What they're doing is they're putting a border around about something that's important to them and they're protecting what's within those borders, right? You know what the devil's doing? He's walking around about the outside of that hedge. He's walking around about those that, that, that borders that God has placed in our life. Walking around about Anchor Baptist Church. He's walking around about your family. Walking around about your home. Walking around about you and your mind and your eyes and your ears and your heart and your emotions. And he's looking for a breach somewhere where he can get in and begin to do his dirty work in your life. And you know all we need is to repair some breaches. There have most definitely been breaches made on the church, I use the term loosely, throughout the United States of America and the world. There's no doubt about it, and God has raised up some men in the past to to repair some of those breaches. That's one of the things that I appreciate so much about Dr. Ruckman. God had a very specific call on his life, and there will be and never be another Dr. Ruckman. I'm not trying to be a Dr. Ruckman. I would be, I would be torn to shreds by the devil in attempting something so stupid. But God raised up a man for a specific job and there's no doubt about what he did. He repaired a breach. There was a a breach that the devil had brought on the body of Christ and some good men got caught up in that thing because the devil's so subtle and so sneaky and so good at what he does that even good Christians that love Jesus Christ, that come to revival every day they're having it, won't miss the church services, love God, want to do right, read their Bibles and pray, good men have breaches. And the devil will get in there and cause a mess, and the Lord raised up somebody to repair that breach. I'm thankful for that. Amen. God will do that throughout human history, and God here in Isaiah, in chapter number 58, God has raised up Isaiah to try to repair a breach. And I, I see some things in this passage that I believe will help us out. We need it bad tonight. First, I want you to understand the definition of the word breach. Now, I didn't go to the Hebrew to get this. I make that point specifically. You know why? Because that's a breach that the devil has made. Making people think that you don't have the words of God right in your lap and you need some kind of a priest or some kind of a, a, a Mr. You know, doctor, scholar to tell you what the Bible means. You don't need anybody to tell you. Get a Webster's 1828 dictionary if you don't have one and you can figure this stuff out for yourself, all right? It's the act of breaking or the state of being broken. It's a break, a gap. Watch this. A space between the severed parts of a solid body parted by violence. You know what you are? You're the body of Jesus Christ. You know what your local church is? It's the body of Jesus Christ. You know what you are with your spouse? He made two to be what? One. You see, it's a a breaking up of something that's supposed to be solid. It's a a dividing of something that should be put together. It's a drying up of those bones and scattering those bones. That's a breach that had come in, and it has to do with violence. It's, It's a breach in a garment or in a wall. You take that garment that's supposed to be together, and you tear it. You make a breach in it. Watch this. Webster's 1828 definition. A separation between friends. I said, I I consider him my friend. We consider you a sister church. I consider him my friend. I consider more of you my friends and friends of my family. You know what the devil wants to do? Create a breach. A separation between friends. Because of enmity. A difference. We all have differences. A quarrel. An infraction or injury... Or an invasion. That's a breach. You know what I'm sick of seeing? I'm sick of seeing the devil tear apart Christians. I am so tired of watching the devil... Get a hold of young people, get a hold of middle aged people, get a hold of old people, and tear them apart. And that's what he wants to do to every person in this room tonight. He hates you with a hatred you can't understand because of your Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants you tore up. Amen. And I'm sick of seeing it. I'm sick of seeing the devil tear up marriages. I'm sick of watching the devil tear up families. You know, there's three different kinds of problems everybody can have. Everybody has, has problems. They can all fall into one of three different character uh, categories. Financial, physical, or family. If you've got to pick a problem, pick financial. Some of you are stressed about money. Thank God. It's a problem. But it's one of the best problems you can have. Second worst, best problem you could have would be health problems. If you got a family around you while you're sick, it helps you, don't it? Ain't nothing like the comfort of somebody that loves you more than life itself walking in there when you ain't feeling good. That's just a blessing, man. Worst problems you can have, some of the hardest problems you can have are family problems. And we have seen what the devil has done to families throughout this entire nation and not just lost people, saved people. But you know, there's another problem that we oftentimes can have, and it's church problems. And guess what church is? You know what it becomes? It becomes a family. I'm telling you, man, when you love Jesus and I love Jesus and you love the Bible and I love the Bible and we get together and we start singing the songs of Zion, there's a bond that begins to be built. When God, the Holy Ghost, moves into the room and starts ministering to hearts and, and you go through bereavements together and good times and bad times together and you see God work together and you become up. There's a bond that is built there. And you know what the devil wants to do? He wants to create a breach. I'm sick of watching churches go under I think about that all the time whenever I have a, a difference between another brother because there's a lot of differences that we all have. And I have a difference between me and another brother who loves Jesus Christ and believes the King James Bible, and, but I don't like him. I'm sorry, is that too unspiritual? Are we all right? There are some guys that love the Lord Jesus Christ, believe the King James Bible just like I do, and I personally don't like them. You know what the Lord asked me not long ago? Okay. Okay. If you could push a button and delete his church, would you do that? Is he lifting up my name? Does he love me? Do you think I love him? Are souls getting saved in his church? is this all about you? Do you not stop to think for a second that the Lord Jesus Christ loves some people that you don't like and he loves them just as much as he loves you and even if they've done you wrong and hurt you and the devil's got a breach into your heart because of something that happened, some difference that took place that God still loves them even if they were wrong, just like he loves you even when you're wrong. Hey, we got to realize this thing is bigger than us and something's going on and there's breaches that the the devil is made, and we need to repair the breaches. Amen, amen. One of the breaches that the devil's made in the church comes down to my first point that I see in the text, and I'm sorry, I know I've already preached on this this week, and I'm not trying to be a broken record. There is war, more than one message in my, uh, whatever you'd call it, armory or whatever it is of messages, but it's right, how, how can I dodge it? It's right here in the text. One of the breaches that the devil has made into the church is he's corrupted the preaching. Look at verse number 1. You want to repair some breaches? I, I sure do. I would love for my name to be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the paths to dwell in. Look at verse 1. He says, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression, in the house of Jacob their sins. You notice, first of all, when God wants to help Israel, God wants to get Israel right, God wants Israel to see what a mess has been created and what the devil has done to them and how far they've gone from God. When God says, I'm gonna begin a work and repair and a breach, what he does is he calls a man to do a job that God has for that man to do. You cannot call yourself to preach. It will never work. Your mama can't call you. Your papa can't call you. It's not about the culture of getting called to preach. It can't. Be because that's what we do when we go to camp. We all get called to preach so the preacher can get the notch in his little, you know, look at how many young men have been called to preach on a modern ministry. That's a bunch of hogwash. Listen to me. The devil will get your head blown off in a battle you aren't ready for and you can't handle. And if it's getting worse and worse out there, and it is, then you go charging off into a battle God didn't call you to and God didn't equip you to and you are going to get ruined and ruin a church with you by a breach of the devil. But if God calls you to preach, it does not matter if anybody ever gets saved, your church ever grows, God called you to do that thing, you do it for God no matter what happens because God called you to do it. He calls a man by the name of Isaiah to preach and he gives them specific instructions in how to do it. I want you to notice something about this because you live in a day and age where people do not understand what preaching is anymore. And here's the hard part. I want to reach those people. I want to reach them, man. I want, I need, I got to have more than the breath in my lungs. I've got to have the hand of God on my life. Because I want to restore some of those old paths. I want, to, I want to shore up some of those breaches. I want to restore the paths to dwell in. I love the old-time Bible preaching. I love the hymns of the faith. I love old-time church service. And, and I believe in altar calls. I like them. People come in my church and they're like, what are they doing at the end of the service? I like an old-fashioned altar call. Where's that at in the Bible? <laughs> my car ain't in the Bible either, but it got me here, okay? Don't be stupid, man. They get so biblically minded, they're just completely ridiculous. I like an old-fashioned altar call. I don't want to see those old paths restored. Problem is, nowadays people have no idea what preaching is. They've been lulled to sleep by the serpent himself who has a silver tongue and knows how to, yay, hath God said. Let's all come together. Let's talk about the love of God. And then you come into a Bible preaching church where the preacher gets up there last night and says, you don't like the hymn book? Get out of here. Find another church. And you go, oh. <laughs> you know what they said to me? Jesus. I don't, you probably heard this one too. Jesus would never talk the way you talk, brother. <laughs> so you know what my answer is? When did I tell you I'm Jesus? You know what God tells Isaiah? Cry aloud. What's the next thing right there in, your, in the verse? Spare not. You want to restore some breaches in your life? You know what you need? You need what you're doing tonight. You know what you need? You need Sunday morning Sunday school and, and Sunday morning worship service. You need to make sure that you're in the house of God where the Bible's being preached on a faithful basis whether you feel like it or not. And sometimes you don't feel like it. But you need to get in here and sit down in those pews and ask God to take a shot at you. And a lot of times that thing's going to come as a shock. You don't like the hymn book? Get out of here. What in the world? You know, I had a guy come visit in my church and he'd sit right down up front. Nothing against you, brother. He'd sit right here. And he'd amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord. He had a John 3:16 cap on all the time. And he said, preacher, I, wanna, I want you to come over to my house and visit me. I said, I'd be glad to, man. I'm, we were still in the storefront in those days, you know. I mean, we had a garage door opener that was over the pulpit, and there was a bus door. A garage, it was a bus garage. We turned into a sanctuary. There was a bus door behind me. We built the platform around it, a garage door opener. I th- man, we were packing that little bus garage out. We were in talks with the owner of the building so that we could get the next suite, which was that one suite with the same size as the two suites we had. Because, I mean, hey, man, God's blessing. Here comes a Reagan, you know what I mean? I mean, everybody's going to know my name before long. I go over to his house to do the pastoral visit thing, you know, and I'm sitting down. He puts a chair down in front of me, and he scoots up in my face. He leans forward, puts his elbows on his knees, and gets in my face, and he says, Do you know what an idiot you look like? Have you ever videoed yourself when you preach? I said, Yeah, I sit around and watch videos of myself all the time because I love me. He said the veins are popping out in your forehead and in your neck. And there's spit that comes out of your mouth. I'm like shocked. I'm sitting there like. You know what God did? God used the preaching the way God wanted to use the preaching because I was just being me. Albeit, I'll I'll give it to you, immature, maybe a little over the top, maybe not balanced out right yet, all that kind. I get all that. Yep, you got a point. But I was being me, and God used me to rattle up a demon-possessed old man that wanted to come in and wreck a church. You see the shock factor? the the God's doing more in Bible preaching than people know he's doing. Sometimes Sometimes, most of the time, the preacher has no idea what God's doing. He's just giving them God's word. That's all he's doing. You know what that shock value of that preaching does? That spare not. You know what it is? It's spiritually the paddles on the chest and you're shocking the heart. You you do know that the doctor never does not restart your heart. You have a heart attack or your heart's getting all messed up and they put that, that spiritual defibrillator on your chest. When the doctors do that with the physical defibrillator, do you know that they're not restarting your heart? They're shocking it and stopping it. They literally hit that heart with electric. They say clear. Why do they say clear? Because you need to back off. Because if you're putting your hands in the way, you get a t- you can get a shock too. You know what the preacher's doing when he gets in the pulpit and says God says cry aloud, spare not. You know what he's doing? He's saying clear and he's hitting that heart and what happens is your rhythm of your heart is off. The heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The rhythm of your heart is off. Something's not right. There's a breach in your health and he hits you with that shock and it stops that heart and you go... Whoa, wait a minute, what am I doing? Whoa, wait a minute, what have I been thinking? Whoa, wait a minute, I've been a gossip. Whoa, wait a minute, there's some bitterness in my heart. Whoa, wait a minute, I have been treating my wife right. Whoa, wait a minute, I ain't been treating my mom and dad right. Whoa, wait a minute, God's the one that restarts that heart. The doctors don't restart it. When they hit it with that electrical whatever thing is, That heart gets shocked and stopped and it reboots the body system so the body can go back to the normal rhythm, the sinus rhythm that the heart would normally do. It is God that works the miracle to get that thing going. You know how many people come into church and get mad at the preacher? You know what you need? You need a touch from God. God's using that preaching of the word of God to shock your heart. And if you got any spiritual life in you at all, what God does is God uses the preaching of the word of God to shock you because you're getting out of beat. You're getting out of whack. And you say, man, I don't know why he has to be that way. Man, I don't know why he has to talk that way. I appreciate your preacher because he is himself. This is not a product of a Bible college if you haven't noticed. He's not worried about people's skills and making sure he does everything just right. And he's not the salesman preacher. You just listen to him talk and you're like, whoa. Brother Joe's told me the stories, man. He's like, man, you wouldn't believe what he said to me when I was a younger guy. You know why? I do know why Brother Joe is where he's at. Because when he was a younger guy, he got shocked a few times by a man that God called to be here to help you out to repair some breaches in your life. And since he had a desire for God, when he got hit with that thing he didn't want to get hit with when he got shocked with something, didn't like the way it felt, but God Almighty restarted that heart because somebody's looking for something from God and that's what you and I need. That's why God puts a pastor and a preacher here to help you get shocked out of what the devil's been doing, what your flesh has been doing, what the world's been doing. Your heartbeat gets off. He says, cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet. What an what a, what a amazing thing that God tells him to do to a bunch of people that don't want to hear from God. Show my people their transgressions in the house of Jacob, their sins. You know what you, you cannot expect from your preacher if he's a Bible preacher? You cannot expect some psychological mumbo jumbo. I'm tired of hearing preachers use psychology in their preaching. I'm not qualified. I don't have a degree in psychology, but I, did, I, I do study my Bible, and God did call me to preach the Bible. I'm going to give you Bible. I'm tired of watching philosophy come out of the pulpits. You know what you're getting in the modern-day church? You're getting philosophy from the pulpit. You're not getting a man with the message of God in that pulpit with nothing on his mind but giving you the words of God the way God told him to give it to you. Isaiah says, is Isaiah, and God said, cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice. Ezekiel, he said, smite with the hand and stomp with the foot. Jeremiah's the weeping prophet. You, you know what you got? You got what God gave you. You don't compare one to the other. You got what God gave you. And God's using this man here to repair the breaches. And what the devil wants to do is make a breach in on that thing. He's going to get you riled up in the preaching. I'm tired of financial seminars in the churches. I'm I'm tired of, listen, if you're in a church, the guy believes the Bible and he does that stuff, shut your mouth and leave it alone. It ain't your job to make a breach in the church over your pet peeves. That was really good preaching, but I did not get any amens out of it. But I'm telling you, that ain't what church is about. Church is about this book. 2 Timothy chapter 2, don't turn there, but he says, In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. In meekness, don't mistake meekness for weakness. You know what they said about Paul? Oh man, he's awful tough when he's writing his letters, but face to face, have you noticed how weak he is? The modern day analogy would be boy, he gets behind the pulpit and he sure is tough. But boy, when you sit down with him in his office, you know what he's doing? He's being meek. You understand a good preacher who's also a pastor has to be able to wear more than one hat. Without there being a division between the two, it's a balance. He says, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves if God peradventure will give them repentance. How? To the acknowledging of the truth. In order for the breaches to be repaired in our lives, we have to notice that there's a breach and acknowledge the breach. And when we realize the devil has made a breach and this is wrong, we have to acknowledge that breach and say, you know what? God showed me from the preaching, God showed me from my Bible reading, God showed me there's this area of my life where the hedge is breached and the devil's coming in there. There's a gap in the hedge. And because of that gap, now I am vulnerable to an attack. And I need to repair that thing. you got to acknowledge the truth. The next verse, it says that they can recover themselves out of the stare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Do you get that? He takes you captive at his will will. He tells the story, you've probably all heard it, about the Navy SEALs that are going to come. We're going to come on your ship at this time, this place, this way. We're going to take over the whole thing. You know what that is? That's power. But guy walks up to you and says, listen, I'm going to tell you something. What I'm going to do in just a second, as soon as the clock starts, I'm going to shoot a double leg takedown. I'm going to smash you. I'm going to pass your guard. I'm going to go to side control. I'm going to take your back and I'm going to choke you out. Stop me. And then executes it. You're in a bad spot, okay? That's what the devil does. At his will. You realize how puny we are? How many years has Lucifer had to study human nature? What do they say? There's something like 16 different personality types, and I know there's subsets and all that, but generally speaking, something like that. If you've had 6,000 years to watch people, and you only have to figure out about 16 different varieties... You know what the Bible says? He's wiser than Daniel. Wis- wisdom. God Almighty and then your adversary. He's seen your type before. Ain't nobody like me. <laughs> That's the stupidest thing. People, people say that a lot. You know that? I'm the only one around here like, oh, Okay. There's more of you out there than you think there is. The devil gets in your head and tries to, you know, cut you away from the pack and make you feel all isolated in a crowd. and Nobody loves me. Nobody cares. Nobody understands me. Nobody's been where I'm at. You know, a lot of people that have been through the nasty things you've been through don't tell anybody. Amen. You might be sitting right next to them. You might be within 20 feet of them. It's not that hard for him to figure you out. You know he can watch over your shoulder or his imps can watch over your shoulder while you're on your smartphone and you think nobody's looking? That dumb thing's tracking everything you do. Right. Yep. And it's marketing you based on your interests, interests and your preferences and you think you're not being watched? He's the prince and the power of the... Yeah. Right. You realize what we're up against? He knows what's running your family all the way back. He's watched and knows all these things. I know know he's not omnipresent. I get that, okay? But I'm talking about what we're wrestling against. They've had plenty of time to figure things out, strategize, and set up their governments and make their plan of attack. You understand that, right? It's a dangerous thing. So he wants to make that breach. Start making that division, start hurting your relationship with Jesus Christ. And you come into church, you're supposed to sit down and get the Bible preached at you so God can expose a breach and you can go, oh my goodness, there's a breach there. Okay, now that I'm armed with the truth, I can start fixing that breach. You know how many marriages could have been saved if the individuals in that marriage would have just gone to church and just sat under the preaching and just let God do His thing? I'm going to say this, and I considered saying it, and I think I'm supposed to. The vast majority of your pastoral counseling will be taken care of by sitting in church asking God to speak to your heart. Amen. Not against pastoral counseling, so that's why I want to be careful about saying it, because I used to say stuff like this, and then people were like, well, I wanted to talk to you, but I know you don't like to counsel. <laughs> Is that what the devil told you I was saying? but the vast majority of it will get done. I had a sweet lady, an older lady, and she's a sweetheart. She came up to me after church a little while ago, and she said, well, I told you that I was going to talk to you, but um, we're good. I said, okay. She said, that message was exactly what I needed, and all my questions, she writes down her questions so she doesn't waste my time. All my questions were answered. You know what that is? That's God repairing the breach. Folks, we need what we're doing here tonight. You young people need this church. The devil's trying to make breaches on your life and trying to break into your home and break into your heart, and he's going to try to mess you up. Look at the way he does it. Look at verse number two. There's a confusion of spiritual disciplines. Watch this. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways. They're King James Bible believers. They can't wait to get to church and get in under the preaching. They're delighting in God as a nation that did righteousness. They're doing right. Got all the right standards. We're doing the right things. We got the right hymn book. We got the right Bible. We're it. And we are the remnant. And we know it. Can I just pause real quick and say something that you might think makes me a heretic? But do you know there's more people that are born again than just us in our little crowd? They ain't in the right churches. They don't listen to the right preaching. They don't got the right version of the Bible, but they're just as much the body of Christ as you are. Amen. We think sometimes we got the corner on the market. You know, we're all that in a bag of chips. We're the elite. We're the only place God is working. Forsook not the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. God, we want to know what's right. They delight in approaching to God. What's wrong with all that? Look at verse 3. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, on the day of your fast, he tells them now, ye find pleasure and exact all your labors. There's a confusion based on the spiritual disciplines. This is how your adversary the devil works. God's not the author of confusion. So, why is it that I'm doing everything the right way? I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. I'm trying to be a witness. I got all the right standards and I'm enforcing all the right standards and I'm trying to be everything God wants me to be. And it seems like I'm getting nowhere with God. There's a breach. I'm telling you right now, there's a breach. But I, but I don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, don't run with those who do. I mean, I'm not looking at things that I ought not look at on the Internet. I'm not, I don't. I don't, I don't hate my wife. I'm not cheating on my spouse. I mean, I don't know that I'm doing everything right. How come I don't feel like I have that fresh, cool drink of water? Why am I dry bones? And why am I not producing the fruit I want to produce? What's going on in my life? Why am I, I got all the spiritual disciplines. What's the problem? You know, God's not the author of confusion, right? The devil's so subtle, he'll come in there and make a tiny little spin in your heart and in your mind and let you keep going through all those motions just so long as no fruit for God is coming out of it and your relationship with Jesus Christ is not growing. He'll allow you to run all the spiritual disciplines, even fasting, so long as the tweak in your head is off. God has an issue with these people. He said, you're approaching me and you're seeking me, but the fruit is fake. You're coming to church and you're sitting there and you're delighting to approach to God. You're fasting and God's like, I'm ignoring you. Why? Because your fruit is fake. You exact all your labors. One of the ways you know your fruit is fake is when you get this like, well, you know, I give. I give 10%. I read four chapters in my Bible every... I read my Bible through cover to cover every year. So? You're the same you were last year. I pray 30 minutes a day. So? You ain't seem like you're getting any answers to prayer at all. You see, the spiritual disciplines, Bible reading and prayer, and all these things we preach on and believe in, they're not a magic pill that automatically means you're going to be spiritual. The devil's caused some confusion on the spiritual disciplines. So the next thing you'll notice is in verse number four, the correction has to come. If we're going to repair those breaches, you, you got you to gotta recognize, man, listen, my, my spiritual disciplines are all there, but the fruit's not coming out of them. And so, God, what am I supposed to do now? There's a correction that has to come. What is it? Uh, all scriptures given by inspiration to God prophet, but doctrine, reproof, what? Correction. Correction is a changing of my course, a recognizing that, hey, listen, I I dropped the ball over here in this part of the breach and I need to get over there and I need to fix that because God showed me that I've got an area here that's a blind spot for me. Everybody in this church has a blind spot somewhere. Sorry, not trying to insult everybody. I'm in the church too right now, okay? We all have a blind spot. And my blind spot today might not be the same as it was last year. The phases of life cause many changes. So God gives him a correction. Look at what he says in verse number four. Behold, you fast for strife and debate and to smite with the fist of wickedness. You know what he's saying? You've got to stop shooting at each other. He said the breach that has come is you're fasting. You're doing all these spiritual things. You're in your Bible. You're sitting and listening to the preaching, but you aren't getting anything for you. You know what I learned a few years back as a pastor? There is is no point in me trying to settle issues from behind the pulpit. Man, I used to have a lady that sat right up front. And she made herself a royal nuisance. To the point where people were coming to me saying, Pastor, what is going on with her and when are you going to do something about it? I let it get too far. One guy said, Pastor, I would be afraid to act in church the way she acts. I would be afraid God would kill me. I was getting sick of her, brother. I mean, I had my bucket full. I preached messages, and you got to forgive me for this, okay? I think God has because I have repented of it. I preached messages that I knew I was going to get her, man. I did everything but call her name. I looked right at her. And you know what she did? You know what she stinking did? She turns around, looks across the church at the woman she had an issue with and goes like this to see if that woman's listening. Looks back at me and goes. (laughs) You know what happened not long after that? I did the same thing again. Because I'm a preacher. I ain't afraid. I'll tell it like it is even if it makes them mad, you know. I'm standing in the back. I was gunning for somebody that needed it, boy. And some sweetheart, older woman in our church, a sweetheart, she stops on the way out and she says, Pastor, I said, Yes, ma'am. You know, big preacher, man. Yes, ma'am. I'm really sorry. And she's getting tears in her eyes. I said, What are you talking about? She said, I know that's me, and I'm really, I said, (sighs) I literally did. I did, I said, oh. I'm not going to say her name right now, but I did say her name, and I said, that is not you. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people in church like that. The Holy Ghost of God will call out their name and expose their breach, and they'll look over their shoulder at somebody else who's got a little teeny tiny moat in their eye. Because we all get motes as we walk around in a world where stuff's in the air. And they got this big old beam in their eye. And you know, you can't do anything to help somebody like that. What I can do is help me. What I can do is say, God, is it me? He said, you're fasting and you're doing it to smite with the fist of wickedness. Notice what he's talking about. I'm not making this up. He says, for strife and debate. So what has happened is a breach has come and the devil's gotten in there. And between God's people, there's just all this debate. There's always something to pick at. The devil causes irritations in your flesh. You do understand that, right? He gets you aggravated towards other people. Your personalities will just rub each other wrong. That is part of life. That is part of marriage. That is part of children. I know that's the holy grail for some mothers. But look, just the reality Your kids get on your nerves sometimes, don't they? Do you just like trash them and throw them away? You just leave and go find another family? Why do you leave and go find another church? You know what we figured out? We figured out when that woman leaves, because we preached at her and just kind of got her out of the church eventually, you know what happens? In that door walks her twin sister and comes down and sits right here directly across from where she was. We nicknamed her when she didn't know, (laughs) little so-and-so. Now, what's up with that, man? You know what it is? It's human nature. It's the fact that there's always people that have issues that are around us. It's the fact that no matter what we do, we're not going to be so sterile and so perfect and have such a perfect church that there's never going to be an issue between the brethren. If the biggest pain in your church gets removed, another one will grow. Because we ain't in heaven yet. So the solution is not in stirring up more of the garbage. The solution is not in, well, I'm going to pray for them. Your spirit's wrong. The solution's not in debate and strife and and smiting them down and criticizing them and talking about them. That's not going to get anywhere. That's a breach of the devil trying to divide the body of Christ and get in here. If the pastor wants to deal with it, let him deal with it. But the rest of us just got to get along and love one another and drop it and watch out for the breaches the devil wants to make in the body of Christ. Because He'll mess the church up. While we got all the spiritual disciplines, he'll come in there and he'll stir that thing up so bad the Holy Ghost of God can't show up and speak to your heart because you're all worked up about so-and-so. Look at verse 9. Then shalt thou call and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry and he shall say, Here I am. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke and the putting forth of the finger and the speaking of vanities. He said, If you stop messing with each other if you stop sticking your finger in everybody else's business, if you stop walking by during the church meetings and putting your hand on somebody, I said clear because I'm working on my patient and I don't want your hands in the way when I'm working on my patient. And if you put your hands in the way when I'm working on my patient, what is meant to bring life to them is gonna bring a judgment to you. That's scary, ain't it? You know, as a pastor, it scares me half out of my mind because I'm there to try to help God's people grow and sometimes, man, they need a... (sighs) And God says, you just wait because you don't know what I'm going to do with Him in five years. Some people take a little while. The correction that must come. They're smiting with the fixed of wickedness. They got this evil heart while they're trying to serve God. They're self-righteous. In verse number five, is it such a fast that I've chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul? Do you think I care about you and watching you go through your religious thing? And I haven't eaten in two days. So I'm walking with God. <laughs> is it to bow down his head as a bull rush? He's got this fake humility going on. Oh, he's so humble. Spread sackcloth and ashes under him. Will thou call this a fast and acceptable day to the Lord? It's the self-righteousness that God, God ain't interested in. God's not, God Almighty, God Almighty, Holy God, is honestly not interested in how super spiritual Mike Reagan is. I didn't say God doesn't care about whether or not I walk with him and doesn't care about holy living. I didn't say that. I said, from a human perspective, that super spiritual junk is a bunch of stinking garbage. None of us are spirituals. We think we are. And our spiritual disciplines aren't what automatically evoke the blessing of God. I'm against this stuff. If you tithe, then you got God guaranteed to always bless you. And if a church supports missions, we do. We support missions. But if a church, that means God's going to bless us. Where did you find that in the Bible? He's not a magician in heaven where you rub the bottle, the GD bottle, say things just right, and boom, there's the blessing of God. This was the issue. This was the breach. This was the problem. It was a very subtle breach. It didn't look like a big deal, but it was just that critical spirit. It was just that judgmental spirit. It was just all that gossip all the time. I have watched the devil. I have watched the devil get in that breach. And work that thing and work that thing for 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years. And after 30 years of driving that wedge, creating that habit, getting them to all look at each other, getting them to criticize the church, I've seen preachers' families out of the church altogether and churches destroyed from a very patient adversary got in one little breach and work that angle. I've been around preachers, I felt like I needed to go get a shower afterwards, and not your preacher. I've sat with preachers and listened to them talk about their church, and listen to their family just talk about the church people, and just shred out and think, man, no wonder your church isn't growing. All you do is notice everybody's faults all the time. All you talk about is, oh, they so thank God you don't got a preacher like that. I've heard a lot of church members do the same thing and then we wonder why 10, 15, 20 years our kids want nothing to do with church we're going to blame church people the breach was you the breach was you the breach wasn't the sin that brother fell into that was his breach that shouldn't have affected you and your family to the point where it wrecked you Got to repair those breaches. Got to get back to some old fashioned love for the brethren, some compassion. Look at verse 6. He says, Is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness. God says, You want to fast in a way I'll notice it? How about this one? To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. You know, I got some people in my church that have some serious problems. We got single moms in our church. We got single dads in our church. You stop and think about the burden they carry. We got people divorced. People probably going to get divorced. (laughs) Ain't that heartbreaking? Ain't that heartbreaking? see these people at the store and we look at them and we criticize these young people nowadays look at them they're such a mess they're such a ain't it heartbreaking this world's just gone to hell in a handbasket oh my goodness like, what's wrong with your spirit when's the last time you pushed away from the table because you were convicted about some things God showed you as a breach and you said Lord I'm not going to eat for two days I'm not going to eat for three days until I get the victory over the way I think God, my thought life is a mess. God, I'm, gonna get, I'm not going to eat for two or three days until I figure out what's going on in my marriage. I want you to show me what I'm doing wrong. God, I'm not going to eat for a couple days until I figure out what you want to show me about my kids. God, I want to reach that man for Jesus Christ, and I don't know whether or not he will get saved, but I just want to push away from the table for a little while and talk to you about some of my extended family members that are an absolute train wreck. He said, this is the fast that I've chosen. Loose the bands of wickedness and undo the heavy burdens and let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke. Deal out thy bread to the hungry, verse 7, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thine house. When thou seest the naked, that thou criticize them. See it, right? You ever get tired of listening to saved people talk about the way the world dresses? What are you staring at it so much for? Maybe the breach ain't in the way they're dressing. Maybe the breach is in your eyeballs. He said that you care enough about them to pray over them and cover them up. Help them out. Hide not thyself from thine own flesh. Notice when the change in their hearts come, and they begin recognizing the breaches. He says in verse number eight: Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall speed forth speedily shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee, and the glory of the Lord shall be thy rear word. Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. All of a sudden now, their spiritual disciplines take on new life. You know what changed? What changed was the way they were looking at everybody and everything else. No longer is it that that critical spirit. No longer is it that I'm, I'm picking up this strife and debate and all that stuff. No, it's a heart change in the way they're viewing the people around them. And when we get the heart change, when we get the mind change, when we are looking for God ourselves, when we want the victory in our own life, God, show me where I'm wrong. Give me the victory over my gossiping tongue. Give me the victory over my bitter spirit. Give me the victory over my competitive nature. Give me the victory over my enemy. Envy. Give me the victory over the fact that I'm not loving enough to a wife and four girls. I want to be a loving father and a loving husband. Help me to stop being so selfish, God. Change me, Lord. Make me a blessing to the brethren. Help me to knock off my ego. Amen. Amen. Change me, God. Because there are some breaches that I need to build up and I'm, I'm not taking care of the perimeter, And the devil's coming into the vineyard and sowing some seeds. And if I don't close up that breach... Those seeds that are sowed are going to become strongholds. And then only a miracle can pull it down. God, show me the breaches in my life. And He says, then I flood you with light. You really want to see what God wants to show you? Really want to see it? Honestly want to see it? God, I want to know. That means if I got to go to my husband and say I'm, I was wrong, if i got to go to my wife and say, Honey, you know what? You're right. I need to change that. Then I'm willing to do whatever it takes to draw closer to you, Lord. That's what I'm willing to do. i got to go to a brother in the church and say, Listen, I want to apologize to you. If he knows about it. <laughs> if he doesn't know about it, you might want to ask your pastor how to go about it before you just go say something. But you know what I'm talking about? Whatever it takes, God, I'm willing to do it. i got to close up the breach. Notice, we're done. Watch this. Verse 11. "The Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought." <laughs> Didn't say the drought's not coming. The drought's here, church. The drought is here. But I want a satisfied soul in the drought. Watch, make thy fat thy bones. Thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. You're producing fruit. You're fresh. You're happy. You're excited. You're loving the Lord. You're loving your spouse. You're loving your parents. You're loving life. You're happy about your Bible. You love your church. You can't wait to get there. You're witnessing. You're, you're, you're full of the fruits of God's Holy Spirit. The fruits of God's Holy Spirit. Love joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Man, I would be feeling so good, wouldn't it? Not bitterness, anger, criticism, frustration, aggravation, irritation, Why are God's people so miserable? Because the devil has made breaches into our minds and hearts and lives. And now he's building strongholds. And if you don't get them right, get the devil out of there, get that breach built. God only knows what he can do with you. The devil can do with you. Watch, we're almost done. Verse 12, And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Did you see that? I told you, your preacher's been reading my mind all week, stealing the message before I even preach. They that shall be of thee, that's your kids, that's the next generation, shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. You know what we need to do tonight? We need to repair some breaches. I've seen the devil make breaches into the home, and, and he, now, now, excuse me if I go to meddle in here a little bit. I know I'm not your pastor, but I just know what I've seen, personally what I've seen. Mama starts criticizing Daddy to the kids. Daddy starts criticizing Mama. The kid's hearing it. Kids criticizing mama and daddy and mama and daddy agreeing with the kid. You know what has happened? It's a breach. It's a breach. And the devil comes in there and starts tearing stuff down. He's starting to make his way through that hedge. He's pulling some things back and he's making his digging through there. He's breaking that thing down. He's coming in there and starting to divide that wedge. I've seen it in church. We all start criticizing each other and getting on each other and the devil's making a breach. I know this ain't the greatest message in the world to end a revival on, but I really believe it's what the Lord has for us tonight. You know what we need? When the enemy comes in like a flood, and that's where we're at today, folks. The Spirit of the Lord lifts up a standard against him, right? Stand in the gap. I sought for a man among them that would stand in the gap. Make up the hedge before me for the land, but I found none. You know what I'll guarantee you we have all over the room? I'll guarantee you all over the room there's breaches. That's where we're at spiritually right now. It's not just you and it's not just me. It's what is going on in this world today and what our adversary the devil is doing. There's breaches everywhere. And I got some people, I'd like to grab them and shake them awake and say, Repair the breach! What are you doing, man? You're ruining everything God's given you! Are you crazy? But I can't. Because when the devil gets in there, he gets his foot in there, he's got them captive. If they won't acknowledge the truth, there's nothing I can do. But maybe I can see that breach and I can say, all right, God, I'm going to stand in that gap. And I'm going to intercede for my brother. I'm going to intercede for my church. I'm going to intercede for somebody I love. I see that, God, I want to stand in that gap and make up the hedge because I don't want you to destroy it. The devil's trying to make some breaches, folks. And I'd be willing to bet you tonight that the Lord's probably pointed out some breaches somewhere along the line in some of your hearts. And God wants to repair that thing tonight. And I think if we can get that stuff repaired, God will keep us safe in His vineyard. He put a hedge about us. He'll take care of us. But He won't make you do it you got to want that breach repaired. Their heads bowed and their eyes closed this evening. I'm going to turn it over to your pastor, but just give you an opportunity tonight to come talk to the Lord. Maybe he's already put his finger on some breaches in your life and he wants to be able to say, listen, you the restorer of the paths to the dwelling. Look at that. Look, I know what I'm going to call them. I'm going to call them the repairs of the breach. They healed up some things. The devil is trying to get in there and... Block what God was trying to do. When you have going on what is going on here, especially with we're coming into camp here, it's been kicked around a lot this week, and another generation is coming up behind, and they're, they're looking at what's going on, and they're stepping into that gap, and they're saying, we'll stand for the old hymns, and we'll stand for the old preaching, and we'll restore the old paths, and God is doing something here. You better believe the devil's going to make a target out of us. Out of you. Try to come in there and, Create a breach. Restore that thing tonight. We're going to let him sing here for a few minutes, and uh, the altar's open. Uh, I'm telling you that the devil will get in there, and he'll destroy. He's out to destroy each and every one, one at a time. And uh, you got to be wise enough to say, I see it, I see it, and fight it. And it's just a fight. It's just a fight that's going to continue on until the Lord comes and gets us. Uh, but the Lord is on our side. That's all you have to worry about. Is the Lord's on my side. I'm going to do what He says to do. If each and every one of us would do what we are supposed to do, uh, you'd be surprised what would happen in this world. Altars open.